1: Welcome to the RotoWire NBA Podcast. Nick Whalen here with the great DJ Trainer. It is Wednesday, May 31st, and Emeka Okafor is apparently making an NBA comeback. The probably best known, I I would say, for being on the cover of EA Sports' March Madness 2005, Uh, an all-time great video game. Uh, Emeka Okafor has not played in the NBA since 2013, last with the Wizards. Kind of forgot that he ever really did that. Uh, dealt with some pretty serious neck issues but apparently he is back and I can't really think of what else we would talk about other than spending maybe the next half hour or so discussing kind of where a Mecca Okafor could fit in the NBA next season.
2: Yeah there's there's nothing else going on in the NBA. Back in the day, back in our childhood, um, McDonald's, they still give, give out toys with their Happy Meals but for like a glorious half of a month they gave out little plastic basketball figures with little replica jerseys on them. These jerseys were amazing. And they had one for every team, the quote unquote best player. And for some reason, I, I ended up having like five Charlotte Bab- Bobcats, Emeka Okafor jerseys, and I didn't like yeah. get much diversity. So that is like the most vivid image of his NBA career is little tiny McDonald's NBA jerseys.
1: Yeah, they probably. I would imagine I'm looking up photos of what these are right now, and I, I definitely remember these.
2: They were, I mean, I was consumed with getting yeah. as many as I could. Well, the of these. the
1: goal obviously is to collect them all. So like, I feel like they just littered it with the mecha Okafor. That was like the <laughs> default. That was like the default one that you get, where it's like, oh my god, yeah, I really hope I get the the Shack this time, but it's right. oh, another Mecca Okafor. Um, oh, I was
2: so intrigued because they only did, from what I knew, they only did one player per team. So there was a lot of. You know, like, important decisions that had to mm-hmm. be made on some of the teams. I don't even remember what those were, but I was... I mean, that was a good
1: time. Yeah, I'll see if I can get a roster of w- which player was chosen for each team. That would be very interesting. Depending on what year this was, would you have to choose between Shaq and Kobe? I think Is so. Is that what ultimately forced the breakup? I
2: want to say Michael Red was the Bucks contingent. Uh, man, I you know, I... Back, I I wanted to make some money and I sold them at a garage sale. I'm I'm kicking yeah, my he like, must have, he must have raked it in there. Yeah, my 13 year old self. I'm really really kicking myself. I think I sold them for like a quarter each. And it was so stupid, but yeah. At some point, we'll dig up that roster and go over that because that'll be a fun thing to do. But obviously, obviously, there's a little more important things to talk about.
1: There are, uh, but we I was able to dig up a a <laughs> photo of a couple of them here. So let's, let's not let's not rush in. <laughs> Let's not rush into any finals talk. We have, uh, oh, geez, looks like the Blazers went with Theo Ratliff. Okay. Uh, the Lakers is Rick Fox. Seems like a bit of an odd decision. LeBron James for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, 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 Kevin Garnett for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And also pictured here is a second Theo Ratliff. So we have the answer for four different teams. I'm wondering if if there was something going on around this time with a certain Los Angeles Lakers star that maybe would have prevented him from being featured in this particular promotion. Um, You know, can't imagine what that would be. But uh, before we get to the NBA Finals, of course the NBA, you know, there's been a lot of complaining about, oh, there's this time off before the finals and, you know, couldn't the NBA move it up? They knew both teams were going to be, you know, going to sweep or end the series in four or five, which is what happened. Yeah, let's not act like the NBA didn't want this to start on June 1st, which just happens to be the birthdays of Smush Parker, Johnny O'Brien, and Swaggy P, three pillars uh, of the last 15 years of NBA basketball. Um, so tomorrow's a huge day. In addition to those birthdays, we obviously have Game 1. Um, and I tweeted this yesterday or something similar to this, but in as little as something like 10 days, uh, either JaVale McGee is going to be an NBA champion or both J.R. Smith and Dante Jones are going to be two-time defending wow. NBA champions. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when when people jump on the winning train, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's willing to do it for a little bit of money, so that's what happens. Back to these McDonald's jerseys. LeBron James, Jason Kidd for the Nets. Kevin Garnett, like you said. Andre Kirilenko for the Jazz. I never got one of those. I would have been ecstatic Andre had Kirilenko. I done Uh Duncan for the Spurs, I do believe. Yeah, a simple Google image search really
1: jogs the memory. Interesting that the Spurs went with Tim Duncan. Yeah, seriously. odd. <laughs> um, so the NBA Finals begin on Thursday, and you have inexplicably, for reasons unknown, planned a trip to a different continent during the Finals. Please explain yourself.
2: Yeah, so me and a buddy go on a massive summer trip every single year. Um, It happens to coincide with the finals most of the time. So last year, I have great memories of watching most of the finals at a backwoods bar just outside of Denali National Park. Awesome. However, we're going to Europe this year, which means that I believe I'm going to have to watch the games at like 3 to 5 a.m., which is really, really going to question how strong of an NBA fan I am. Because well, yeah, I'm, are you
1: going to try to watch them live?
2: I'm willing. So I actually was in Europe when Wisconsin beat Kentucky in the Final Four a little ways back.
1: Jesus, what?
2: And as much as how awesome that game was, it was hard to stay awake. Mm. And so it, I'm really going to be tested it's entirely possible that I'll miss a couple games, which just seems even hard to fathom. Right. But I'm assuming uh, me and my buddy will wake up, maybe, like, watch it on repeat and try not to look at yeah. any scores before that happens.
1: It's so hard to do that, um, you know, try to not see a score these days because like, mm-hmm. you can have, you you'd have to, like, go through, turn off any alert that you have from any Bleacher Report, ESPN, Rotowire. It's a good, plug, good plug for a great website, Rotowire.com that you might have. Uh, You can't read any newspapers. You basically can't go on the internet. You can't listen to any sports podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you might be able to do it.
2: I'm going to try. But in all seriousness, I mean, man, that's a huge market that really kind of, you know, that's that's when NBA games are on. It's interesting that you know, if Europe does ever get a strong NBA mm-hmm. following, how they consume the sports is obviously going to have to be catered a little bit different. You'll have to start ch-
1: the entire continent's going to change when they go to sleep. Yeah,
2: so they're probably they're probably Europe is probably in love with the Knicks because they get so many Sunday afternoon games mm-hmm. where that that fits into the sweet mm-hmm. spot. So it'll be a challenge for me, but I'm going to make it work nonetheless.
1: So game one is tomorrow night. Game two comes Sunday night. Not a big fan of how they space these games out. You know, we already had this long break, which which is whatever. Like I, I'm in favor of the break in this particular finals because it's nice to just, you know, both teams are going to go in as healthy as possible. You know, Iguadala might still be a little banged up with with that knee issue that's bothered him, but for the most part, these teams are going to be as healthy as they've been, really all season um but is it really necessary to have two full days off between two games that are played in the same arena i don't really know uh later in the series i think there's only one day off between games three and four um i mean minor minor complaint and obviously they're trying to line these games up uh for tv reasons but um the Cavs are absolutely going to bring out the black jerseys tomorrow night, right? We haven't seen the black jerseys in a really long time. I, I think they've only worn them th- two or three times this whole season, and it kind of seemed like this was going to be the case all along. The Cavaliers' official Twitter account changed to a, you know, the Cavaliers' C, but with a black background mm-hmm. eerily yesterday. Um, so I think we're going to see those things back.
2: I love it. I like it. It's mm-hmm. festive. It's fun um
1: yeah I'm assuming is
2: that what they Clint did they win with those they won I believe
1: well they wore they always wore the whites at home in the finals last year so they won you know they won game five and then game seven in Oakland wearing the black jerseys in both of those games and then they wore the white jerseys at home and when they won game six
2: side note I'm so proud of us that we have really stuck up and been a podcast for jerseys by jerseys Not only right. McDonald's, but all the way. I mean, this whole season, we, we've McGrady, made a point. We've yeah. made a point to really stick it in every single podcast. Mm-hmm. So kudos to us for keeping that right. up for seven months. Yeah, I'm into it. And then I'm assuming we'd we'd coincide with a blackout with the free T-shirts, which would be awesome. But sometimes they go dark. Well, they, maroon, they even. They, I, they I they think they'll,
1: they'll probably wear the whites at home. Oh right, right. So right. yeah, unless Golden State wants to I coordinate with the Cavs, out that would be kind of nice of them. <laughs> um, maybe you know, maybe help them out a little bit. Um, but, I mean, did you read that article? I forget who wrote it, or it might have even been uh, Windhorst or McManaman or one of those guys on a podcast saying that each Cleveland player um, had their the black version of those uniforms, with so the sleeve jerseys. Each Cleveland player, they brought in a tailor. No, it was Chris Fedor who told us that, right? Yeah, when, when he told. Yeah, on. he told us
2: when he was on our pod. Um, yeah, you were
1: there. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that when he yeah. told us that <laughs> that these these each of these uniforms were custom tailored for each of the player, which is why LeBron has those absurdly large sleeves on his. And most of the other guys actually have them fitting properly.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Because, of course, every time we have a notable guest who's recognized nationally, we ask them about jerseys. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of the things he mentioned. And that's no surprise to me. I mean, these everything, every piece of apparel in these guys' closet is tailored. So why wouldn't their mm-hmm. jerseys be tailored? Um, yeah, I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. Um, Warriors, Did they go train car jerseys at all during the finals? They
1: should, but I don't. I feel like teams in the finals, I don't know if the league has much of a say, but you, like you, you don't see a lot of throwback jerseys being whipped out in the finals. <laughs> I know a couple of years ago, the Pacers wore their throwbacks uh, in the playoffs, but they didn't wear them, obviously, in the finals because they didn't make the finals. I think that'd be super cool. I think that'd be really cool if the Cavs whipped out the orange jerseys for Game 3 at home.
2: Here's the thing, though. You can permanently make it so your fan base never buys those jerseys again if that's the game where you lose or something like that or if it's a terrible blowout because the lasting impression of those jerseys is going to be negative so maybe you just kind of keep it regular and and so there are no kind of like bad stigmas for a jersey that was making a good amount of money on the side for you
1: yeah maybe you just hedge your bets and wear like practice jerseys or something (laughs) just to make sure that in the (laughs) event that you lose you're not losing any revenue um okay so let's get into analyzing this series um we're, you know, a little over 24 hours out as we record from game one. Where is your excitement level compared to the last, you know, few years? And let's just say, you know, this is LeBron's seven straight finals. So, you know, this is our third straight year of Golden State Cleveland. Before that, we had two straight Miami versus San Antonio, and then it was Miami OKC, and then going back to Miami and Dallas in 2011. Where is your excitement for this series rank compared to those other six? The least. The least. The least. Okay. Um,
2: and I know that sounds kinda weird, but you know, the first time there was this buzz, the Warriors weren't necessarily supposed to get there, and the Warriors at that time were somewhat darlings of the NBA. This past time it was like, wow, this collision course, like can can LeBron do it and me and you and a couple other people in the office, like really being a proponent, saying, This is totally possible, it could happen and then it did. But leading into that series I was just defending the Cavs, defending the Cavs. This time I feel like, you know, it's just kind of over and anything that can happen in favor of the Cavs is just going to be a massive, massive surprise, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily excited by it. I don't know why. I just, I'm just not super jacked about this because it's not like, I can't even stand on an Island and shout Cavaliers in six Cavaliers in seven because it's just preposterous. It's just so dumb for me to even say that. So I guess some of like the ragging and the teasing of, of picking a, uh, a dog hasn't been as fun as it has been in years past for me. So I mm-hmm. think that's why I'm 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 as little I'm the least amount of excited as I have been the, over the last 3 years. I don't know what about you? You seem more excited for this one.
1: I think I think it has to rank either first or last for a right. lot of people, right? Yes. You know, you can't say like, well, I was more excited for Miami Spurs in 2014 than this. Like that's that's kind of a an like I don't know how you would really defend that, you know? Like this has the storylines you know, both of these teams kind of reloaded. Obviously, Golden State did so in a more impressive and dramatic fashion adding KD, but the Cavs have have gotten better. You know, I think most people would agree this is probably LeBron's best team that he's ever had. Um, you know, you could argue that Wade and Bosh at their peaks were maybe better than Love and Kyrie, but I think 1 through 10 on this roster is as strong as LeBron's ever had. Um,
2: not only that, but they've been together for so long at this point, not only right. are they good individual pieces,
1: They they can mesh really well. Would it be different if if the Warriors hadn't added Kevin Durant and we had a rematch of basically the same cores as last year? Because that was such a dramatic series, even without KD. Different Does for, it for my personal excitement level. Sure, for level. you, like excitement level. Yes,
2: because yeah. I feel like it'd be closer back towards 50-50 or even mm-hmm. 60-40. Right. Because last year it was like 70-30 and I was just all entrenched in that mm-hmm. 30 and that 30 happened. And and that was why we were just so right. incredibly- well, What is
1: it now? The models have it 93-7, yes, if you want to Exactly. it. Yeah. And,
2: and I'm still on the 7%. Like there's still a large part of me that believes- that there's there's some type of in that the Cavaliers can figure out mentally and obviously on the court physically. It's just not fun to be in this seven percent minority as much as it was that 30% last year.
1: Yeah, and I think you could probably say the same if you're if you're a Golden State fan, obviously you're excited because your team has a really good chance to go win a title, but it's I, I think it would be it would be a more exciting series if there was a better feel that it was a fifty-fifty type of series and I, I think there are people out there who think it is uh, i just think that you really have to talk yourself into a lot of things to, ha- to happen in cleveland's favor for that to be the case and it's really hard to get excited for a series when you know you could say like man i really hope they can steal a game and not get swept you know like that's <laughs> and for me that's kind of like the best case scenario for cleveland and obviously again they they could certainly prove that wrong um So, from an excitement
2: level, I think it's amazing. It's an amazing storyline that the best player in the NBA is an underdog. And of course, we're always rooting for underdogs. So, the fact that that coincides with LeBron James. Is pretty amazing. Now, if we only get four games of that, and by the you know the second half of the third game, everybody is just demoralized, and that's not fun. But if this somehow lingers five, six games, and you know the collective NBA average fan is rooting for LeBron as an underdog, that's terribly exciting. It's it's super exciting. But the fact that, you know, we can sit here and and we're going to talk about it, like what is the one in? Like what's that one little pillar that we can kind of stand on that maybe the Cavs have a shot of beating the Warriors um, four times? It's just like there's only one. There's only one that you can even really terse out, and even that is just like hearsay. (laughs) You know, there's just it's not Mm -hmm. even that much fun to talk about.
1: Well, what's interesting is that if the Cavs pull it out, in retrospect it will be an epic final series right unless somehow like curry and Durant both get hurt and the cavs like cruise to this kind of cheap win you know obviously that would not be Nothing's uh, the way cheap. but Nothing's no cheap, right but, but if if both teams stay healthy and the and lebron because you have to say like if the cavs win the series it will require lebron to have an absolutely legendary insane numbers insane moments type of series and the same probably goes to a slightly lesser degree for Kyrie and maybe even Kevin Love so I think we could end up looking back if things break a certain way and say this was easily one of the most entertaining finals ever but there's to me there's just too much of a risk that it won't be good that you don't want to get too excited for it so
2: one of the more fun things and realistic things that you can talk about before and I was talking with Shannon is like what is LeBron's stat line going to be and he said with a straight face like take it to Vegas 40 12 and 12 Cavs lose in 5 you're shaking your head vehemently why
1: these I have 40 points no
2: okay but well, you no. just said yourself in order for the Cavs to be close or, or even well, in I mean, a couple that, games it's going to be the performance of a lifetime right. and
1: to me that I me mean, that could be 34 8 and an 8 you know I'm 40 you're not that- 12 and 12 well, I they mean, they don't need that. You said it yourself.
2: If if it's going to happen, it's it's going to be a forty twelve and twelve average stat line for it to happen. So if there's even a sliver of you that thinks it's you know the Cavs could win, then you're kind of also putting yourself in a position based on what you said that LeBron is going to have like the sickest stat line yeah. in NBA Finals history.
1: Well, four I mean forty twelve and twelve would be, uh, for lack of a better term, sick. But I I, I don't <laughs> know if that's even necessary. You know, like I I mean, you look back a couple years ago. Or you know when they lost the finals in 2015, LeBron it felt like was putting up those kind of numbers, and you know at the end of it he was at what like 35, right. 11 and nine. He was he really didn't shoot that well from the field. He was really bad from three. You know if they win, I think it'll look similar to his numbers in the finals last year, where maybe he has a couple 40 point games, a couple triple doubles. Um, I mean even in he wasn't all that good in Game Seven. It was a game where they held Golden State to 89 points, which is something that you know Golden State very rarely does, especially at home. Uh, and, and LeBron ended up having a triple double in that game. Like, I, I don't know that LeBron scoring 45 points four times in the series is what is best for the Cavs. I think that's that's probably what's best for Golden State, honestly. In, in a lot of ways, I think that means that Kyrie and and Kevin Love are, are not doing that much damage.
2: Yeah, that all makes sense. Um, it's tough. To, I mean, it's tough to say. Right. You know, it's
1: like yeah, if LeBron just goes crazy and shoots 80 percent for a game and has 45 yeah. points, it's not bad. I don't want to get into
2: that too much. Here's the most realistic thing for me where the Cavs have an in that could, you know, possibly curtail the rest of the series. And that's it. all the pressure is on the Warriors right now, specifically Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant. What if Kevin Durant goes out there, misses his first five shots? That could potentially rattle him for the rest of the series because there are major, major implications if he and the Warriors team that he chose to join does not win. So something like that that kind of needs to happen in the first game that mentally just jars not only Kevin Durant, but the rest of them saying oh oh like there's right. so much pressure the Cavs have zero pressure and that actually is a luxury that maybe they didn't even have last year mm-hmm. as much as they certainly do this
1: year exactly that's the thing if Cleveland goes back for game three next week and they're down oh two there's not going to be any nerves in that building it's like okay well this is what we expected we were hoping maybe we could steal one but we didn't for you know conversely I, I don't know that Durant starting out cold is something that would carry through the entire series. But if Golden State loses game one somehow or loses game two, all of a sudden you have a ton of pressure to not go down 2-1 in Cleveland for two more games. So, yeah, I mean, in some ways in any series, starting at home is, is a big blessing, but it can also be somewhat of a curse if you lose one of those games.
2: Yeah, most definitely. And, I, and the other thing for me is just that, you know, we've seen Draymond chew out Kevin Durant during the regular season. And Draymond has a little bit more—I think you can actually give him more uh, credibility when it comes to how to act, how to play in the finals over Durant. Durant's been there, obviously, but Draymond's been there a couple times and has won it. So what if Draymond is unhappy with how Kevin Durant is playing or something like that to where you know there could be just an inflammation right. and some kind of tension inside the Warriors? Is that going to happen— I don't know, but tensions are awfully high. Tensions were so high last year that Draymond Green right. got it suspended for a game. So maybe something could happen inside the Warriors yeah. locker room that, again, could curtail not only game one or two, but the mm-hmm.
1: rest of the series. That's the best case scenario for Cleveland is right. that, you know, I went back a couple of days ago and rewatched the entire fourth quarter of the Christmas Day matchup, which Cleveland won. They were down by, I think, as much as 15 in the second half. And a lot of the reason they were able to crawl back into that game is Kevin Durant went straight back into ISO. That was, you know, granted six months ago when they were a much different team. But, you know, I mean, Draymond got in his face. There was there was a possession where the Cavs were down by one or two with about three minutes left. And Kevin Durant caught, ISO'd and shot the ball six inches inside the three-point line. If you're Cleveland and Kevin Durant wants to take those shots, you are more than happy to give him those shots. So I think... I don't even know if it's something you can necessarily force as a defense, but you want Kevin Durant to get back and fall back into that OKC mindset if possible. Yeah, and I'm glad you
2: said OKC mindset because that's what I was going to talk about. You, if you're the Cavs, you want him to feel like he needs to put the team on his back right. and, and him to completely forget how good his teammates mm-hmm. are because there are hours and hours of evidence if you go back to OKC in the final minutes of games where it's just iso ball. And, you know, like 75% Durant just trying to put the team mm-hmm. on his shoulders and 25% Westbrook. And that was a terrible strategy all along for Oklahoma City. You know, they, they maybe should have eked out a championship had they had some kind of ball movement. And that's mm-hmm. always been an issue with, you know, Scotty Brooks and, and Durant and Westbrook when they played. But if somehow the Cavs are able to you know, see a little bit of that old Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder basketball in crunch time, that's exactly what they're looking for because it's wildly unsuccessful when considering that there's so many other potent teammates on his team.
1: Everything the Warriors have said and suggested publicly is that there's no infighting about whose team this is. And I think that's true uh, almost on the whole. But I mean, if you're Cleveland, your best hope is that you can force these close games and then the Warriors have to decide who's taking the shots down the stretch, and somehow that leads to some sort of dissension in the ranks. Um, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't know if that's—I'm you know, not in the Warriors' locker room. I don't know if there are any feelings as to you know, who takes the shot at the end, what's a good shot, who was open and didn't get passed to. But you want to you put Golden State in a position that those situations come up, and all of a sudden you have maybe even the slightest psychological edge as you head back home. So, I want to ask you just kind of what's on the line for each of the main players in this series. I mean, we won't talk too much about LeBron. Everybody's covered this in the last week. But if he wins, if he climbs this mountain, easily his toughest test after what last year seemed like his toughest test, you know, it, it vaults him even higher, you know, into the greatest of all time conversation. If he loses, I feel like he has, he kind of has immunity with this series. If the Cavs lose in four and LeBron doesn't play like he did in game three against Boston in any games, he's really not going to be blamed. It's going to be like two years ago when he almost won finals MVP in a loss.
2: Right. This is a David versus Goliath, like I said before, and LeBron James is David, which is absolutely insane. When he won the finals for Cleveland last year, in terms of his legacy, it was like two or three because he went back home, took this team. Uh, the specific team and did it if he wins it this year i mean then just absolutely Mm -hmm. come on but i think immunity is the perfect way to sum up the situation good job on you nick to to say that because i mean immunity this year but i mean what if we go into next year cast of characters is still relatively the same. How many years of immunity does he get? Because that'll wear off just naturally, even though he probably should get immunity. Definitely given out this year, next year, and the year after that, I don't know. Only because, you know, time changes things. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think the the fact that basketball fans understand how good the Warriors are buys him more immunity than normal. You know, like if the Cavs, if the Warriors were just another good team, you know, if they were, you know, considered to be on the Cavs level, uh, which I don't think they are, despite these teams, you know, kind of both rolling through their conferences. Everybody knows Golden State's a better team. So I, I don't think there's quite that pressure. You know, if for some reason this Golden State team broke up and the Cavs went back to the finals and lost to the Spurs and then went back and lost to the Clippers or something like that, yeah, then maybe you start to, you know, get the pitchforks out. Uh, but in some ways, it, it reminds me of, you know, us here in Wisconsin with Aaron Rodgers, where it's like every year, Packers fans are disappointed that they haven't been haven't been even back to a Super Bowl but it's like Rodgers bought himself a lifetime pass by Mm -hmm. winning the Super Bowl in 2010 so you know everything on top of that is kind of gravy it's like you can't really be upset because you did technically win one.
2: Right, and and that's why you know we can kind of bask and linger in last year's championship if, if you're a Cleveland right. fan. And the for way a couple it happened too is it's, right. it wasn't
1: just any championship, like you said. It, it almost felt like it counts for two or three, given given how it happened and what was on the line and well, how even, long it had been.
2: Even just a normal championship win, when it, when the odds weren't so insurmountable, would have been worth two or three because of the coming back right. story. Him. Taking his hometown to a championship when the when the city mm-hmm. hadn't been there, and then the way it happened, you know, like we're gonna bump right. it up towards the, that that counts as three. But mm-hmm. I I mean, you know, we're we're really giving a lot of equitability to both sides here. But I mean, come on, Nick. Mm-hmm. It, it's sad. I hate to say it, but like anything out of Warriors and five just seems preposterous to even suggest, right? I don't know if
1: preposterous is quite the right word, but. It you know it it would take it's gonna there's just so many things that need to break right for cleveland what what i was talking to james anderson about this earlier and what i said is in order to win any game in the series cleveland needs to play its a game from top to bottom maybe even its a plus game depending on how golden state's playing there are games in the series that golden state can and will win by playing their b game you know like they they have so much more room for error even if kevin durant you know, tenses up and pulls a, a LeBron against the Mavericks in these finals. There's a pretty good argument that Golden State might still have enough, even if Kevin Durant plays average basketball to beat Cleveland. Whereas if any of Cleveland's big three doesn't have a good series, they're toast.
2: Yeah, and that's the perfect way to sum it up. And what that sums up is that Cavs are a long shot. To win mm-hmm. this and I hate saying that but it's it's just the absolute truth if the Cavs do win it I don't care how who's the MVP is it clearly it's LeBron. LeBron it's
1: LeBron there is but I, either I cannot imagine a scenario in which it wouldn't be LeBron okay I mean well it's a good we have, what would we have, to, have to, said
2: all the time uh, all along we've said you know Kyrie or Kevin Love really has to show out I mean would an MVP performance from Kyrie or Kevin Love suggest that the Cavaliers probably got the job done
1: Yeah. Oh, if oh for sure. I mean, obviously, I don't. I don't. If Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving get the Finals MVP in a loss, I don't know what would have had to happen. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, think about it. Could Kyrie really play much better than he did in last year's Finals? He was bad the first four games, sure, but the. I mean, forty points in Game Five, great Game Six, and then you know plays one of the greatest games and the greatest you know endings that we've ever seen didn't even get a finals mvp vote it was all lebron you know i mean it's lebron's team there's there's no scenario in which i don't even think anyone else would get a vote if cleveland wins it would be lebron so what's on the line for kevin durant this would be his first title he was there in 2012 with okc i forgot that this was actually the case but okc was the favorite in that series going up against that heat team which I, I look back on this and that just did not seem right because that I felt like that was not the perception. But OKC entered that series a slight favorite uh, and, and ended up losing in five. If the if the Golden State Warriors win this title, I don't care how well Durant plays, I feel like it's going to be a little bit discounted. We're not going to have the same reaction that we did when LeBron won. That's when things kind of started to turn for him. I think you know a lot of people were happy to see him quote unquote choke in 2011. But when he won it in 2012 and played so well and was so emotional after getting the trophy, I think you know, the tide started to turn. I remember you know, Nike started making these kind of feel-good commercials and people love LeBron again, um, and that's only grown really since then. I don't know that people will view Durant the same way. I think there are a lot of people, especially if they blow through this series and Durant only plays in like three or four fourth quarters, it'll be like, all right, well, this is what we expected to happen. You know, I hope you're happy, Kevin, that type of, that type of reaction.
2: The reaction is going to be, cool, bro awesome you did it man cool sweet good on Mm you good job so you know we talked about it broader for the warriors that you just kind of if if you win this one you just pump your fist move on try to win another one pump your fist and then three years from now if you win another one then maybe you actually are allowed to celebrate like wow this was so unexpected or something like that and for durant especially it's cool bro awesome you picked Mm -hmm. a good team no surprises you did what everyone said you were supposed to do cool bro
1: yeah, yeah, um, and the other thing too is if Golden State loses a series, he probably takes the most heat, right? Oh yeah. Unless like Steph Curry just goes ice cold, you know. so
2: much heat where he may have to consider leaving the Warriors no. and just saying, I can't run this back. It is going to be so shameful. Where would he go? Anywhere.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's the case. I just think if the Warriors lose, that means Durant didn't play that well, or a, you know, a disaster. You know, with, with Curry and Thompson not shooting well. Like Draymond's floor, I think, is so high. That is, like, even if he goes back to being a 30% three-point shooter, he's going to defend so well that nobody's going to blame him if they lose.
2: I, man, if they lose, and I don't care if it's in seven, six, five, four. I think that the, one of those four players is going to say something like, Oh, gosh, I do not want to—like, this season was already crazy enough, and we're coming off a loss— where you know it was more fifty fifty. I I think one of those four guys might just say, I don't want any part of that. I would just love to go to Charlotte, be the man out in Charlotte, and then that experience, my quality of life is going to be better, even right. though maybe I don't have as good of a shot yeah. to win the championship. I think it could have long term effects for the Warriors yeah, yeah. as a franchise.
1: I think in a vacuum, I think that sounds kind of ludicrous. You know, like a uh, man that sucked that we lost. I'm getting out here, but you have to you have to imagine. In your mind, what will have happened to lead to this loss? You know, like if if the Warriors somehow lost this series in say five games, that would mean that Draymond probably punched someone in the face. <laughs> you know, like there would have been there would have been some sort of scenario to cause this. So yeah, I, I think it would it would force a a big time reevaluation in the same way that it, it would have forced a big time reevaluation last year had the Cavaliers lost that series. Is Kevin Love? doing what he's doing this year in a Cavaliers uniform, I, I don't think you can say that with certainty.
2: Can you draw a parallel here where Kevin Durant and the Thunder were super good? You know, they were kind of probably on a crash course to make it to the Western Conference finals this year had he stayed and maybe, you know, the finals Easily. again, right? And Kevin Durant just said, I need, I need a refresh. I need something else. And I don't know why it would be any different from anybody else on this Warriors team where you say they, they're they coming off two finals losses, right? There's, I mean, there's never been higher stakes. The pressure, why not just hit refresh? That's what Kevin Durant did. So why wouldn't somebody on the Warriors do the exact same thing? Because same? it's hard
1: to make the argument that there's a better landing spot out there, you know? Like, yeah, we just lost two straight, but, but th- where else am I really going to go? I
2: guess. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously
1: rare because Kevin right. Durant actually upgraded. boy well, Draymond to the, like, and Clay would have to be traded. You know, not everybody right. can just walk like that.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. You're coming off two finals losses, obviously broken heart losses. Some people are going to want to escape that pressure. Yeah, I,
1: th- I think, I th- again, I think in that scenario, that very unlikely scenario, things will have happened that would probably cause us to second-guess the construction of this team. Um, all right, Steph Curry, in terms of what's on the line for him, right now he's been to two finals. He's won one. He's lost one. He has come away with zero finals MVP votes despite winning the MVP in both of those seasons unanimously yeah, uh, unanimously in fact last season i don't think his legacy is by any means on the line he's an nba champion he's got two mvps um but i, I think this series is going to tell us a lot about the ultimate hierarchy of this team there's a very real scenario in which the warriors win this series and curry will have gone to three straight finals and gotten zero finals mvp votes does that bother him since, I, maybe when since we're talking about
2: legacy Curry hurt his own legacy about exactly 11 months ago when he sat down in a room with Kevin Durant and said, come to my team. It can be your team. We can split the team. I don't care. Just come. To me, Curry, if it was not considering his legacy because his legacy would be much greater, Had he be the one, you know, leading this team again. So uh, again, I'm going to say if they win and then we're looking at his legacy, cool, bro. Awesome. You did it with the best constructed team of history on all history. And like when you couldn't get it done, you didn't face adversity and try try again. You recruited somebody better than you to come help you. So if anything, you know, it's just like, whatever, dude,
1: I don't really care. In terms of his legacy, I think it's still going to be a lot of depends who you ask. You right. know, If you ask a Cavs fan, Steph Curry's legacy is that he's won a title, but the team that he beat in six games and struggled against and didn't get any finals MVP votes against and let basically a backup shooting guard get the finals MVP was without its second and third best players for the series. You know, like I, I think his legacy as a whole outside of the greater metropolitan Ohio area is probably <laughs> a lot more positive than that. Um but you know, I think at some point too, no matter who's on your team, if the Warriors reel off four titles in the next five years, I, I don't think that necessarily damages his reputation. You know, at some point it would just be hard to argue with that many rings.
2: So I will give him credit for putting his ego aside and welcoming Kevin Durant with open arms, but if we're gonna talk about specific basketball on the court legacy, you know, not a whole lot to be gained, certainly not as much. Had this been his team and solely his team for this year, right. next year, and the year after that?
1: No, that's true, and I think that, like you said, that's a choice that he made. Essentially, when he when he decided to welcome Kevin Durant to this team, it, it was, you know, it, it was more of a a we decision than a me decision. Um, and and I think you know, in some ways, you could say like, oh, did he take himself out of the conversation for being the ex best player ever you know maybe again it's going to depend who you ask you know some people will say well he has you know when he's 36 years old he has five titles so
2: well i'm asking you you haven't given an answer what do you think i i oh, you know where i stand
1: on this i mean i don't necessarily blame curry as much as i blame durant and i think i think personally if i'm evaluating these two players legacies i hold durant durant joining golden state is more of a mark against him than it is curry because if you're curry and Durant is expressing serious interest in coming to your team like it's it's really hard to say no right I mean I I think this is pretty much the scenario they envisioned I think it would be hard and in a lot of ways incredibly selfish to say no you know I mean if Durant walked up to LeBron James last offseason and said he wanted to come to Cleveland I don't think LeBron says no
2: right no that's a
1: very very good point that it probably perceived as a weakness but I don't know that it should be
2: yeah it's yeah, you're right. That's probably the best perspective to look at it. That it's it's a little more negative towards Durant, mm-hmm. and therefore he has a lot more pressure because of that decision.
1: So, any other players that you want to talk about in terms of personal, you know, reputations or legacies that might be on the line in this series? You know, Draymond, I think it's just kind of redemption from last year, but I, I don't know that he has a lot on the line personally. Kevin Love.
2: Yes, Kevin Love is who I want to talk about because leading up, exactly one year ago, leading up, is is Kevin Love a good fit? Oh, we're going to find out in the finals if he is or not. He completely proved it on the last possession of the last play of the game, yada, yada. He, he faced his worst fear, or everybody's worst fear, and he fared just fine. So I think it's awesome that we're kind of back to square one with Kevin Love and he can only impress. I don't think he can harm or, you know, so so that's nice because I've been Kevin Love's biggest proponent over the last couple of years. And so I think it's great that he's, you know, has a firm foundation and it's not all this negative, 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 you need to prove us wrong, guilty until proven innocent. Now it's innocent until proven mm-hmm. guilty, at least this year, heading into this year's finals.
1: Yeah. It was odd though, in that, you know, he didn't you know, he he quote unquote proved himself in Game Seven, but it wasn't in the way that you would necessarily expect from him. He didn't have, you know, he didn't knock down six threes and grab fifteen rebounds and you know have a couple putbacks and and ones. He he didn't really play a Kevin Love game or a Kevin Love series. And to me, if you're a Cleveland supporter and you're looking to grab on to anything to say, okay, you know, here's a reason that I think we can hang in the series. It's that Cleveland won last year with Kevin Love averaging eight and a half points and seven rebounds and shooting 26% from three. That's the absolute, absolute, absolute baseline. You know, Kevin Love's not going to play that poorly again. He sat out game three with a concussion. He, he came off the bench in game four, just, you know, he was, what was he? F- two uh, five for 17 from three over the final three games. Like he really wasn't a factor and he looks a hell of a lot better right now than he did even at this point last year. Um, So you can say, you know, Kevin Love, you know, being kind of actually there to be the third guy is maybe something to grab onto if you're Cleveland. In terms of what he has to prove, though, I don't know that there's really a ton on the line for Kevin Love. Like, people aren't going to blame him necessarily if Cleveland loses.
2: Yeah. So just a couple more things to to conclude with. You've talked a lot about Kyle Korver and, you know, like what he could do, what he, you know, how he's going to add another layer, um, you know, him running sets instead of Schumper running that same set so what are you expecting out of him because for some reason you really have tossed his name out there maybe more than he has deserved but I'm still very intrigued because maybe he could go out there and have a very impressive and memorable performance
1: I think he's gonna have to I think he is a massive 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 key for them I think and I told you this morning he needs to have a couple of games where he hits four or five three-pointers like that those type of games you know just being in there for a couple minutes and, and hitting a couple spot up threes is going to be a necessity each game but they're going to have to have a couple games where he hits three threes in a row you know he comes in they 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 call a timeout he hits a three off of an ato and you know it, it's just they really he's the one guy who i think can shoot on the same level as curry and and as thompson and can get it off in the same type of windows that that clay thompson can um defensively how does he hold up that's another question i don't think you can really ask him to guard clay necessarily i mean if you have to maybe i think he can probably guard iguodala you'll take your chances there yeah um but it's just having durant on the on the floor as that fourth guy like there's just never been a team that doesn't have somewhat of a weakness and it's like Harrison Barnes went an average 20 for Dallas this year it's like it's not like this guy was they weren't throwing Tony Allen out there yeah. and, and that's that's how the Cavs were forced to treat him and obviously you can't treat Durant like that um but Zach Lowe wrote a great piece today um I know you and I both read that and I showed you there's a clip in there uh where, where they run Kyle Corver you know they have him come up and set a screen for LeBron and they run him off of two screens get him on the wing With Kyrie in the corner and you basically force whoever's on Kyrie in this case it was Clay Thompson to run at Korver you can't leave him obviously you don't want to leave Kyrie in the corner but I think given that scenario gun to your head you'll rather leave Kyrie open they need to weaponize Kyle Korver in in that way and I don't know that Cleveland did a great job of that uh, through these first three rounds they ran some plays for him but when he's out there I think you have to have you know every few possessions you're running a set maybe you don't get the look every time but you want defenses reacting like boston and toronto were at times and even indiana in the first round where you saw guys chasing corver when he wasn't even looking at the basket which was creating lanes for lebron which was creating lanes for for you know irving uh and just kind of easy baskets for cleveland even when kyle corver is not touching the ball there's no one else on cleveland's roster that can force you to do that you know golden state has three of those guys
2: right so you know you said that Maybe Cleveland didn't do a good job of utilizing him as they should have. Kyle Corva that is, that could have been intentional. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say I think that was intentional because we all knew that Cleveland was going to face Golden State. And so why are you going to show your hand when you can easily go out there? I think I agree with you that Korver is the X factor. Therefore, they discreetly used him. You know, They used mm-hmm. him as discreetly as possible in these first three rounds. <clears throat> But in the finals, you know, we're going to see some things. It's like, whoa, where has he been? It's like, well, we were holding it back. The other thing is, you know, our listeners might be saying – You know, Nick, what are you talking about? Like, he can be the most important part, and he'll go out there, hit three or four threes. That's nine, 12 points. It's not just the threes that he hits, like you kind of alluded to. It's the fact that if he can go out there, knock a few down, instantly the defense reacts to him, respects him a little differently, and that opens up things for other players on Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the fact that, you know, he's scoring a ton of points, it's the fact that he's drawing attention and the defense to a certain direction averting it and diverting it Mm -hmm. from you know somebody else so I agree that even if Kyle Korver goes out there and averages 12 and a half points per game that could be crucial not just because of those points Mm -hmm. but some of the other like um indirect assists if you will
1: yeah yeah in a lot of ways you know they're not again they're not going to count as assists but you could call it somewhat of an assist when LeBron drives left Korver's in the corner and his guy can't take a single step off to help right. on LeBron and LeBron gets a layup doesn't collapse those because you
2: have to respect Korver in the corner
1: as good of a shooter as Kyrie as JR and and even Shumpert has been you know not nearly on those guys level but he's been passable this season you're going to help off those guys every time when it's LeBron going through the lane like Korver is that good of a shooter and that automatic when he's open that that it creates lanes and I think that's another I wouldn't even say it's an advantage just because of the shooters on the other side but it's it's an element that Cleveland did not have uh, in this series last season
2: so we're we're running out of time and I don't want to get too far into this but what if the game plan for the warriors is to never help on lebron cuz LeBron is going to get his when he drives. Yeah. Much rather stick with Schumpert, with Corver, with J.R. Smith, with Love, with Kyrie in those corners, and just say, LeBron, you can kill us to death driving to the hole. We're going to give you one and a half guys' worth of attention. You take all the two-pointers two, two you want. We're never, ever going to give you a three-pointer. I think that's an interesting way to defend the Cavs.
1: I think they'll be more than happy to give LeBron a 3 so what you mean or you're not going no, to give him the kick out to threes?
2: The kick out. Like I think if you're the Warriors and you say we're never going to let LeBron assist on any threes in the series, I think that's an interesting and effective way mm-hmm. to go about, you know, defending against LeBron because he's so dangerous because he's everybody's collapsing on him. Just don't collapse and see what yep. happens and give up those two-pointers at will.
1: Yeah, I, it's I really don't know. I mean, I Mike Prada for SB Nation wrote a really, really good article outlining every basically every possibility that the Cavaliers could use to you know attack Golden State as well, and mostly guard Golden State. You know, in terms of using traps, in terms of having LeBron guard Durant. Do you have, you know, where do you hide Kyrie? Where do you have to hide Kevin Love when he's out there? And, and I highly recommend reading that uh, if you want to know more about you know the potential ways that we're going to see Cleveland defend them. I don't know if they can get away with the LeBron at free safety style that has worked pretty well for them through these first three rounds. There's just really nobody on the court for golden state, especially when the death lineup is out there that you're really comfortable roving off of like they had been, you know, with, with Jay Crowder or Marcus smart or PJ Tucker, or, you know, even I think CJ miles at times in the first round.
2: So these are a dime a dozen, but we might as well give our predictions. Uh, hi. I won't be back in time for the conclusion. I'll be headed back maybe the day before if it goes seven. I'm gonna go ahead and say Warriors and Six. I know that's pretty chalk. I think Warriors and Five is also probably the most chalky, but Warriors and Six, again, dime a dozen. I don't know why, even if you listen this far into the podcast, everybody has their own opinion.
1: I'm gonna say Warriors and Five. Because you were all right. I, I that that's been my official stance. Okay. I, I but I as I wrote in our in our write up on the website. I'm closer to Warriors in four than I am Warriors in six.
2: Okay, that's what I was wondering, because that's a little more bold. I mean, it shouldn't be bold, Mm -hmm. but it is a little more edgy of you to say that. I
1: I think there's another gear that Golden State has. I think the Cavs have a slightly higher gear, but I I think we have yet to really, really see what this Golden State team is capable of when they're 100% locked in and 100% motivated.
2: I also think as a major LeBron fan, we both are, you, you way more than me, but still, you're, you're kind of setting your expectations right. as low as possible so you can be Couldn't blown be away. Could yeah. not be
1: any lower. <laughs>